Welcome to Tamimi Talks, an insightful podcast series on the latest legal news and developments across the Middle East and North Africa. Welcome to Tamimi Talks. This is Aro Omar, an associate in Tamimi's herbal office in Iraq. I'm joined by Ali Al-Dabar, a senior associate in our Baghdad office. Today, we'll look at various tools available for securing transactions in Iraq. We will start with property securities, then move to personal securities, and finally examine a number of arrangements that benefit creditors. We'll try to give some practical comments for the use of each in Iraq. Ali, can you jump in here and give us a brief overview of uh, what property securities are? Yes, thank you very much for the introduction, Ali. Property securities are also known usually as asset-based securities. There are two types of them. You could have a transfer of title, an outright, trans- an outright transfer of title, or you could have a pledge. The difference is a transfer of title gives ownership and the parts with all rights to the property altogether, while a pledge maintains title with the, with the owner of the property, but simply encumbers it with rights to the secured creditor. An interesting consequence of this is that transfer of title, when title transfers to property, it does not remain as part of the bankruptcy estate of the debtor or the party granting the security for that matter. So you, you sort of bypass a lot of clawback possibility when it comes to bankruptcy situations. Um, pledge basically works through a core process. You have to enforce it, and if you, you could be crowded by other creditors. So that, that's a main um, distinction between these two types of, of security when it comes to property. The drawback, however, is that title means that you have to meet the requirements to own the property. For example, if there are nationality requirements associated with holding title to said property, the secured creditor needs to meet those requirements. While pledging property may, in some cases, be simpler. Not always, but in some cases. For example, real estate, it tends to be the same for both transfer of title and pledges. While other properties, it could be more flexible because of the formalities, if there are less of them. Possessory pledges, for example, can be done by simply um, giving possession of the property to someone, and that can be arranged with some sort of a, a third party holding possession of the secured property, of the security, you know, the property used as security, and uh, as a trustee, in Arabic, it's called Yad Adil. It's somewhat acquainted now, but you could still do it. The secured creditor themselves could actually have possession of the property, and that would be a possessory pledge. And, um, you know, it could be easier to do it that way. And retention of title. Uh, could you elaborate on that more? Um, what does it mean? Is there a concept of retention of title? Is it different from uh, a pledge under Iraqi law? Is it similar? So it operates by transferring the title to secure creditors. Okay. Mm-hmm. For example, mm-hmm. in, the, in the case of credit sales, what happens is, or, you know, they're called sales and, you know, lease sale agreements. They're basically a lease with an option to buy the property at the end. It's quite commonly used in aircraft, for example, but there's nothing in Iraqi law that prevents it from being used for other situations. A buyer will rent some asset that they intend to buy, Title is retained by the seller. Buyer will pay rent throughout the installment period. And at the end, he has an option to buy the property. Throughout the period, if the buyer defaults, the seller can just take the property and pick it up and go because they have title. They are not, if it's the other way around and title has already transferred to the buyer, the seller has to go through a court process. It is important to note here that this is a big difference in Iraq 
Because unlike other jurisdictions, whenever you have security, a mortgage, for example, you do not have self-help rights under Iraqi law. The basic position is that you always have to go to court to enforce security. You need a court order, sale by auction. There are some ways that you could expedite this and make it as easy as possible. But at the end of the day, a secured creditor cannot have an option to step in and take over the property. While if they already have title, then they do not need to go through such process. They just need to retrieve possession from the party having possession of the property. That could be characterized legally much easier terms than if they hold title. Perfect. That makes sense. And moving on to mortgages and pledges. Are mortgages recognized in Iraq? Do they have to be registered to be valid? Um, what's the procedure in general? Is it burdensome uh, or is it straightforward? They have to be registered. Mortgages in general have to be registered because there are third-party rights that the mortgage protects those third party rights are not visible to anyone dealing with the possessor because they have to be registered. Mortgages over real estate, for example, they are enforceable directly, but they have to be registered with the real estate directorate. A, a mortgage is essentially the same thing as a pledge, but there are different types of them. There is a commercial pledge, basically a pledge securing commercial obligations, which has to be possessory. And there is a non-commercial pledge, which would, can be possessory or non-possessory. Commercially, a commercial pledge, as you would expect, definitely offers more uh, ease of enforcement, but you still have to go to court each, you can just do it quicker, as long as you meet the condition, call it a commercial possessory pledge. Real estate, for example, is a good good example that you could have both. You could either do it with a possessory or non-possessory. A non-possessory, you basically um, just register it at the real estate directorate, the owner remains in the property and then you foreclose, but you do it through court. You do not just step in. And well, you do it through court sale, but you do not have to go through a lengthy process arguing about the debt. So it is more of an enforcement procedure. It is not a, a lawsuit to go after the debtor, for example. It is an enforceable instrument. You can start is it expedited? A, a registered mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. real estate mortgage is it can be enforced through the enforcement directorate. And the more official, in the, the, general, the rule of thumb in Iraq is the more official security is, if it's signed before a notary public, it is filed with the government authority, you generally, you generally are able to follow through on it very quickly, or at least as quickly as you can. Reason being is that perfection requirements are seen as uh, giving strength to security, and uh, the authorities often have specific forms of what you can and cannot do, and they have specific requirements on how to put these securities in place. And I think there's also something definitely to be said about foreign entities that don't have a presence in Iraq taking mortgages. That's also not uh, straightforward. It, it may be complicated for foreign entities uh, without a presence in Iraq to take mortgage, especially over real estate. Would you agree, Ali? For real estate, that is the example yeah. where it's difficult yeah. for foreigners to hold mortgages. Yeah. The reason is not legal per se, as you will aware, it is basically a procedural you know, impediment that the real estate registration departments put in place. They ask for the type of documents that a foreign entity cannot produce, such as a branch registration, corporate documents basically issued in Iraq or recognized by an Iraqi authority. They want them to have a branch. The real estate law doesn't say anything about such requirements. 
And if one were to challenge them through the process, you know, there's a legal argument to be made that the foreigner should be able to hold a pledge. They're not owning title, even if they will enforce it. I'll have to sell it to Iraqis anyway. They just want to collect. So that's not the legal position. That is the practical position. Having security over real estate being held by a foreigner, you basically need a trustee to hold it on your behalf. Usually, Iraqi banks, some of them might be able to do that. They would charge fees. And then you'd end up just doing the financing through the Iraqi bank in the first place because, you know, they will manage the security anyway. And for secured creditors, um, what should they be aware of when, when taking advantage of mortgages and pledges, like their privileges, the privileged rights? Is there anything to say there? For secured creditors? Yeah. They need to, for start, you know, understand the files for these things. Usually, mm-hmm. the security is granted as part of a, a financing by the secured creditors, some sort of transaction. Mm-hmm. Filing may involve registering the property in the first place. If you're trying to have a pledge over a machine, for example, it needs to be registered. That means customs need to be paid if it wasn't. If it was, for example, imported on a temporary basis, you need to pay registration fees. You'll need to pay stamp duty on the, the security documents. There is a couple of costs associated with registration. That's definitely something for secured creditors to be mindful of. They, you know, they will try to pass that on to the people receiving the finance. But it's just in Iraq, it has to be checked with the authorities before you start the process. Because often, more than not, the authorities can be not very transparent, but you have to check. And for personal securities, they allow a secured creditor to satisfy the secured debt from the assets of the guarantor in addition to the initial creditor. Can you tell us the basic form of a personal security under Iraqi law, uh, what it entails? The quintessential form of personal security is a promissory note. Mm-hmm. So it is a personal obligation on the issuer of a promissory note, unless it is the CEO of a company in addition to his capacity. That would be a person to pay an amount on demand. That's the current practice of the notary publics. And that creates an independent obligation from the underlying debt. So a security note is an enforceable instrument, cannot be conditional. Um, and if it is notarized before a notary public, you can it cannot be denied. So you can go straight to enforcement, much like a, a real estate mortgage. You just go straight to enforcement. You go to court, it's just to sell. It's not to argue over the underlying debt. Personal security is often you know, worth taking when you're dealing with high net worth individuals. They have some assets to go after. And they would have more uh, incentive to actually repay instead of going over judicial proceedings that would harm your other business. Personal security can be more flexible in some cases because you're only issuing some sort of document to document the personal security. It could be just by way of guarantee, a surgery ship, just a clause in the contract, then you have to enforce it in court. If it could be you know, before a notary public, you could still have a surety ship before a notary public, depending on the specific terms. And that would change enforcement. Usually, if you're going to do it before a notary public, you use a commercial paper called you know, the promissory note. Simple, always negotiable, Payable on demand. You have to use it within a year from issuance, but you could reissue new ones and have other protections. Perfect. That makes sense. And if all else fails, the previous forms of security fail, 
Uh, I know that creditors are now uh, increasingly relying on alternative tools to secure their rights. If you could just tell us a little bit about those assignments, commercial papers. An assignment by way of security under Iraqi law, the use of assignment as security basically you know, more as a method of payment, really. So the rule is, if you have a right with someone and you notify that someone that you've assigned your right to someone else, that assignment is binding as long as you're only assigning right and you only need to notify um, the person who is obligated to pay. That makes it uh, possible unless there is some contractual uh, you know, obligation to, to get their approval. Assignments are usually usable as a form of a way to secure repayments. And usually the repayments actually happen through the assignment of some profits, some revenue coming out of a contract. Um, that's one, one, one way to do it. Another way to do it is to create a joint bank account, for example, or just have the secured, a secured creditor hold keys to the bank account where revenue from a certain project is coming. And that way they, they would have control over the project. These things, um, they create control over the cash flow in exchange for financing, basically, because you end up with having assigned the revenue or the profits to a secured creditor and they get paid. And they, they can be dependent on who's paying. What's the arrangement with them? You need to, under default rule, you need to at least notify them. Otherwise, you might need to get their approval. The government contracts, for example, do require approval quite frequently. So you cannot just assign government rights to government contracts like the payment. Um, joint bank accounts are a thing. Not very prevalent, but they are, they are possible in Iraq. Basically, both parties have to agree to release the money. And that, that, that creates a way to sort of, you know, have assurance to the secured creditor that the new money from the project is not going anywhere unless they approve it. And make sure that there's something they can collect from if they ever want to go to court. That's perfect. Ali, is there anything you think we're missing here? I think we've covered all the points. Uh, do you, is there anything you want to add? Um, those are the main types of security. Yeah. It's either personal, asset-based, or some alternative arrangements frequently involving controlling cash flow. You know, there, there are a lot of details and uh, we frequently advise on such things. So to all people listening to this, it's an entire world of getting security and, and it has to be done right. Right, of course. So I think that's all for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope you found this information helpful and practical. Join us next time uh, when we delve into another exciting topic in Iraq. Things are changing rapidly in Iraq. We have a new government and the parliament is back in session. So we should be expecting new legislation. Uh, so we hope you join us next time for us to update you on any incoming changes in the jurisdiction. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Tamimi Talks. Stay updated with all the latest legal news and developments on our social media channels.